Hello creatives, Jay here and you are listening to episode 13 of 99% Perspiration. This is a weekly podcast bringing you interviews and advice from today's creative and artistic professionals so that you can get the confidence and the know-how to turn your calling into a career. I gotta be honest, I'm recording this on my birthday. Uh, I'm 23 today, exciting, and I've come into the studio, I feel... I hope this is hay fever. I've got a bit of a runny nose. I've been sneezing. Um, This isn't a boo-hoo story. No, no, no. I'm here to bring you an awesome episode of two people who work in radio and do it well. I never stopped making radio, even if I was just making it for, like, my own personal blog. I would, like, go interview people and, like, make stuff. So if you are passionate about whatever it is, the only, like, the best advice is to always be doing that thing. I had the absolute pleasure of being able to meet Sean Ramaswaram in the United States. Uh, It was the day after the New York Awards. I'd met some people from WNYC. They kindly said yes, come and visit us in the studio. And um, I asked potentially when I come, is there anyone I can interview? And they sat me down in front of someone called Sean Ramaswaram. And I'm like, this is the guy that produces Sideshow, the podcast Sideshow. And we're sitting looking at each other. You definitely must check out Sideshow. It is hilarious. What I love about Sean's story is he's got this incredible resilience to him. That, yes, he got all of these knockbacks, but he kept going and kept going. He didn't let that stop him. Take the route that he wanted. And he's there. He's producing... The greatest podcast in the world. Yeah. (laughs) The stories are there all around us. The stories are just there all around us. You know, when people, like I say, when they say, where do the ideas come from? Just ask. Just talk to people. Are they forever surprising me? This is Claire Jenkins. Claire Jenkins is, she's multiple people. She is the senior lecturer in journalism at Sheffield Hallam University. She co-runs a production company here in the UK called Pennine Productions. Over the years, she's made hundreds of features for magazine programs on radio, such as Woman's Hour on Radio 4. So you'll hear more from Sean and from Claire in just a little bit. First, I'm going to mention, because you know I must, head to Facebook and type in 99% Perspiration. You'll come to our group page, where we like to have conversations with other people who listen to the podcast. And it slowly is turning into a creative network where people talk about projects and get involved in things that other people are doing, or and even just listen to, or read, or watch, or even like other things that people are making. So come join in the group. Other than that, you can follow us on Twitter at 99podcast and you can find us on the website 99podcast.com. And our music this week is by a guy called Samuel Thomas. He is so talented. You need to check him out. He's from Newcastle in the UK. On Twitter, he is at Samuel Thomas UK. And on SoundCloud, he is soundcloud.com forward slash Samuel Thomas UK. So without further ado, this is episode 13 of 99% Perspiration. So I think I feel like the funny place to start this is that I wanted to go to law school. And then I went to Chile for a year to teach English as a volunteer in, in Santiago de Chile. 
and I realized that law school seemed pretty like vanilla and, and boring and like a choice that I was making because I didn't really want to make a choice, you know? It seemed like a cop-out. So I decided I wouldn't go to law school and I came back to America in the height of, of the recession that struck us in 2008 and um, I couldn't find a job anywhere in California where I lived. I wanted to maybe look into like not-for-profit work and it wasn't happening. So I moved to D.C. where there was this new president, um, Barack Obama. You know, it was a hopeful place back then in 2009 uh, in Washington, D.C. And I, I, I tried to find jobs there because there were lots of them. But still, people were like, listen, kid, you just got out of college. We don't have jobs for you. Look elsewhere. Uh, I couldn't even get responses for most of the jobs I applied to. And I thought, like, I was this, like, qualified human being who went to, like, a, a good enough college and, like, went to Chile and volunteered and spoke Spanish and volunteered and volunteered and volunteered. Like, look at what a good person I am, but no one cared. So then I just started thinking about the things I, I love doing. And and um, my, my lady friend at the time was like, hey, you really love public radio. Why don't you see if you can go, like, work there? So I started harassing the news director of WAMU in Washington, that's the local member station, and uh, I sent him email after email, and I think it was only two emails. After the second one, he responded. It said, sure, come inside and I'll, I'll, you can, we can meet and talk about what you want to do, which is great. If you think about it, I had no experience, and I was saying, like, hey, can I come work for you for free? Um, and I don't know what I brought him, you know, other than, like, you know, conversational Spanish um, a little bit of like world experience and passion, but I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe he ignores every first email cause he figured that's how he weeds out the people who don't really care. And I would have sent, I would have sent as many emails. I would have never stopped. So luckily after the second one, he was like, all right, kid, what do you want? So I went in there, we talked and he said, well, you can come in here and hang out and see if anything fits. And uh, eventually start, stuff started to fit. I went in and I was, it wasn't like a structured internship. The internships WNYC provides are very structured. Like here's things that we need you to do all the time. This internship was kind of like come in and talk to people and ask them for stuff to do and learn from them. And so you kind of had to like attach yourselves to the reporters in the newsroom. Um, and I did, especially the arts reporter, because that was my, my chief interest, I think. Although I wanted to be a, a news, a hard news reporter at the time. And uh, I started writing this art segment for her. She had a daily art segment, and I was—I proved very capable of writing it, doing a good job. And I was doing it for free. And eventually, they realized that I could do it very quickly and efficiently and and well. So they started paying me just part time to do it. At this time, I had four other jobs. Uh, I taught English. I tutored high school students. I tutored middle school students. I sold clothes at Club Monaco in D.C. Uh, so all that plus the radio and then uh, eventually I started trying to get on the radio and it wasn't happening. They were saying, you know, you're, you're too inexperienced. And I said, well, I can do this. Look, and I made like just play radio pieces. I took news, changed the copy and, and made radio for no one and then would play it for like the, the news director and the, the chief editor and they would listen to it and say, yeah, give it a while. I think it was just like they kept me in purgatory because it was just easier than like ever having to pay me to make, make news. Uh, so I kept looking for jobs in Philly and in New York and in Virginia and in North Carolina, just anywhere close to D.C., Baltimore, and uh, no one would have me again. I was, used, I was used to that by then. And then I found this like job at this very small member station in, in Santa Cruz, California, KUSP, and uh, they had this job for an afternoon host, the person who reads the local news and announces what's coming up next, Ford Promote, they call it, right, um, during the afternoon. So you'd be hosting All Things Considered, which is the NPR news magazine in the afternoon, Marketplace and Fresh Air locally. 
and then like maybe if you're lucky you can do some like news reporting of your own thirteen dollars an hour uh, which was $2 less than I was currently making at WMU, which was $15 an hour. But I moved across the country for that job. I got it. And um, because it, it read like there was a lot of between the lines there to, to read. And I, I read like, you can do anything at this job. You can come over there. And if you're ambitious and hungry, you could, there, no one's going to tell you no. Whereas at WMU, I got a lot of no. And it, it was true. I went there and I became their afternoon host. I did... Um, local news spots. I, I, I pitched news spots to NPR News locally about Santa Cruz, the Monterey Bay. I pitched news to KQED in San Francisco. So I got like little spots on these other stations. Um, so I became a, an official freelancer. Um, I ran their social media. I did Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr. I pitched on the air during their pledge drives. I eventually became the host of their local news magazine, a show called Talk of the Bay. So I did like a half hour of, of reporting and interviews every week. And um, I got to like start pitching NPR features. I don't think they ever took one from me. I know they never took one from me. Thank you, NPR. Uh, but <laughs> I got to do everything I wanted to do. And I did it for like 18, 20 months. And then I really wanted to do more. And I couldn't do much more there. It, it became clear because it was just a very small staff. And I could, I could keep teaching myself, but I wanted to learn from others. And that's kind of where I, it occurred to me that like, I wanted to be a producer of like a big national show. Because I kept seeing like jobs. And I would figure out what I wanted to do based on the jobs that would pop up on like in public radio. And at some point I was like, oh, being a producer would be really cool. Like I had no real hunger to be a host. I, I thought like, I just want to help make something great with like a team. And so that occurred to me around May of 2011. And I was still working at KOSP at the time. And then I left KOSP in October of 2011. And I applied for jobs from May of 2011 to October of 2012. So this is again, this theme of getting rejected like it's your job and, and at this point i have experience no one can tell me i don't have experience i hosted a show i hosted live radio i made news features that weren't amazing but they were certainly good decent they got the job done uh but even with that experience most of the emails i sent i, I must have applied to over 50 jobs in those 18 months all in broadcasting and i probably heard back from like seven companies, uh, stations, whatever they were. Um, I interviewed for like four and I got one. <laughs> and that was a job to be an assistant producer at Studio 360 uh, here at WNYC uh, from Public Radio International and WNYC. Um, I get to keep my job. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was I, the, like I was about to take a road trip in, in the summer of 2012 across the country. And before I left, set out on that road trip, I said, all right, I'm applying to three more jobs because there were three good looking ones and I'm done after that. I'm not applying to a single more job, uh, one more job in public radio because I was frustrated. It took a long time. I would have done anything to live here or I would have taken a job anywhere. I mean, these jobs weren't just in New York. They were in Canada and Arizona and New Mexico and Seattle, it was anywhere. Um, so I s applied for this job at Fresh Air to be a, their social media person, uh, this job at World Cafe to be like a producer. It's a music show in Philly. And then this job at Studio 360. Uh, Fresh Air never called back. World Cafe called back, but then fell off like some job interviews do. And then Studio 360, I, I saw through, through like six or seven more steps. And I got it, which is crazy because had I not got that job, you would definitely not be talking to me right now. 
so I came here and that was kind of how it happened. So I, I produced for Kurt for, for like two years, did a pretty good job. And then kind of around the end of those two years, they were like, hey, uh, podcasting is a thing. Would you like to host a podcast? And I didn't ask. They, they offered because I was doing a good job with the Internet and with pop culture. And I said, yes, I would like to host a podcast. Are you kidding me? Uh, and I think it was going to be like a couple of months. Let's see how he does. And I did something half decent. And it's called Sideshow, and it's the greatest podcast in the world. What I love about this station, WNYC, is its immense history. Uh, it's long and it's crazy. Like FDR was on the air, and and you know, LaGuardia, all this stuff. We get these notes from our archivist every week, and I like when I have the time to read them. It's outstanding to to be in a place with that kind of history, and it suggests that it'll be around for a while, which is nice. Stability is great. <laughs> And the people here are amazing. I think there's lots of new podcast collectives and companies, even Gimlet, Radiotopia, Earwolf, The Herd, all these things. And they're all really exciting, and I'm listening to all of it, and I'm really impressed, and it's inspiring. But um, I feel like if I worked in a group of, like, six people, I'd lose my mind a little bit, you know? <laughs> I love that I can be here, and there's three floors and hundreds of people, and, like, I know, like, half of them at least, and I like a lot of them you know like it's it's really nice to see people from uh, as we know in new york you're coming from all over the country and even the world my interns from london um so you know the opportunity to meet tons and tons of people all the time is is amazing and um that's what i love about wnyc what i love about making a podcast is i got friends that are really good at recommending restaurants and friends that are really good at recommending bars and friends who are really good at recommending graphic novels and my thing is like recommending like internet like look at this amazing thing you have to see i've been doing it forever like for fun you know i started a blog in like 2009 called goodosphere.com uh this is where i used to put radio when i didn't have a place to put it and the idea behind the blog was like yeah the internet can be this cesspool of like hatred and and lowest common denominator humanity calling each other out but it can also be this place that where people are just making amazing things just to share them with people and so that's what i used to do for fun and now i get to do it on my podcast, Sideshow, the greatest podcast in the world. Anyone who uses a computer can figure out how to use audio editing software. It's not a real barrier to, to making radio, not knowing how to use the software. There's free software on the internet. You give it a week and you'll know how to use it, you know? So I think the fact that if this is actually something you want to do, pursuing it, there aren't that many barriers to making it now, especially with podcasting. It's so easy. and people aren't really excited about radio the way they're excited about podcasts right now and that's the one that's easier to make it's really hard to get on wnyc's air there's there's a million barriers to that but what's the barrier to making a podcast i could make one tomorrow i could you could start one a new one right now you know an rss feed some audio editing software so i mean i, I hear all the time like oh man it's just like i can't do it and like I, well you know you just need more time <laughs> that's what i tell these kids i think like these kids, it's like all the interns that come through here. Since I've come here, I've now had like, I, I don't even know, something like 20 to 30 interns of my own. And you know, what, what should we do? What should we do? It's like, don't wait for a job to fall out of the sky, especially in New York City, you know? I went to Santa Cruz with, and worked at a, I don't know if anyone listened to anything I made. I mean, I do, but like, that's what I saw. I didn't see a path like, okay, Washington, D.C., Santa Cruz, back to L.A. to live with your parents, then New York. Like, it didn't, no one could map that out. And along the way, everyone told me, like, you're doing this wrong. 
you need a LinkedIn profile. I still don't have a LinkedIn profile. Thank, thank the gods. I just never wanted to, like, there are things I didn't want to do. I didn't want to, between, between Santa Cruz and, and, and New York, I didn't want to go work at another sort of slightly bigger member station and then get to, like, a big member station. I thought, like, no, I'm, like, I think I'm good enough at this to go for the big leagues, you know? Um, but that whole time, those 18, I, I, so May of 2011, October of 2012, that's what? Like 16 months I applied for jobs, I think. I never stopped making radio, even if I was just making it for like my own personal blog. I would like go interview people and like make stuff. Because then when you have your interview, which I never saw like coming, but like I was hoping there would be an interview and hoping and hoping and hoping. And when it finally came, they were like, so what do you, what do, you do when you're not working full time? I was like, oh, well, I do this part-time thing for Washington. I'm still doing that art segment. I, I made this story about hockey for my blog, and I made this story about, like, something else for my blog, and I, I freelance this piece to NPR, you know? So if you are passionate about whatever it is, the only, like, the best advice is to always be doing that thing. Like, even if you have another job, waiting tables or tending bar, it's like, you should be making radio in your spare time, or you should be you know, driving a bus in your spare time if that's what you want to do for your, for, for a living, you know, whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that made sense to me. And I did say I was on the cusp of quitting before it worked out. But yeah, for those, for the, the three or four years I gave it to get here, I gave it like, it my all, yeah. And if you're interested in hearing more of Sean's work, you can head to iTunes and type in Sideshow. They've also got a Twitter. They got in there early, so you can go to at Sideshow on Twitter. Or you can head to the PRI website. It's all there. So PRI.org forward slash programs forward slash Sideshow. So I'm Claire Jenkins, and I'm joint course leader for journalism at Sheffield Hallam University. And I'm a radio broadcaster, and I have my own independent radio production company called Pennine Productions. I mean, I'm going back a long way now. When I was at school... Um, I wanted to be a journalist. I don't know where it came from because I didn't know anybody who was a journalist. And uh, but I was very good at English, and I my English teacher was also the careers mistress. This was an all girls school, and so when I went to her for careers advice, and I said rather gauchely, I want to work for the BBC, she effectively laughed at me and effectively said, "Girls like you don't do that." And I remember that was the first time that I had any iron in my soul. I thought, I'll show you, Miss Cleary. And in a way, my whole career has been based on showing Miss Cleary. So what I always say to my students is never let anybody tell you that you can't. It doesn't matter where you come from, uh, what kind of accent you have, how advantaged or disadvantaged your background might be. If you want to do something, then be focused and work hard and go for it. So I went for it by rather circuitously getting a job when I left school, Birmingham Polytechnic as it was then, and I got a job as a barmaid in the local newspaper pub. And so I met lots of journalists and I said, oh, well, you've got to go to Oxbridge, haven't you, to be a journalist? And these journalists said, no, you haven't. You know, again, just go for it. And so I decided that was really what I wanted to do and I got advice from them about how to do it and I got my first job on a local newspaper and basically I've been a journalist ever since and as I say I just always think never let anybody tell you that you can't do it because if you want to and if you put in the effort then you can um, and so now I do work for the BBC.
Um, and uh, so I was a journalist on a local newspaper, a couple of local newspapers, on Women's Weekly magazine in London. I got into radio because I went on an access course. It was sort of access for women. And it was run by this 19-year-old called Jane Kitson. She's, unfortunately, she died. Jane was fantastic because she ran this course. She was only 19 and it was a access to radio for women. So I was working as a journalist. I went on it, six-week course, learnt the basics of radio um, and got into radio that way, submitting features ideas to Radio Sheffield um, in the days when they had an afternoon show that did lots of features. Um, from there, again, like I say, I was still w working as a print journalist as well. But one of my former colleagues had gone on to Woman's Hour on Radio 4 and I said, oh, I'd love to do features for Woman's Hour. And the first idea I came up with was about Barry Manilow and the Manilanders, who were his fans. And I interviewed a number of Manilanders um, who were all devoted Barry Manilow fans. That didn't get commissioned, but my former colleague and friend said well, I know that you can do features, so yes, let's try and do a radio feature. And the very first one I did was about sandals and women and sandals. This was for Women's Hour. And that was, I don't know how many years ago, but I've done hundreds of features for Women's Hour in that time, um, both in this country and in India, uh, where I go every year, because my husband's a travel writer and he specialises in India and Britain. You know, we sometimes, we're sometimes sitting there uh, in, in some hotel... Shimla, for instance, and you're sitting there and you're having a drink and we look at each other and we raise a glass and we say, it's not bad for a gardener's daughter and a mechanic's son. Just reinforcing that idea that it doesn't matter where you come from. You know, my dad was a gardener, uh, my mum was a daily it, who worked in big houses. It doesn't matter where you come from. Have that dream and go for it. I always remember somebody, an American journalist, once saying... I've been all over the world, been to some fascinating places, I've met some fascinating people, I've stayed, I've, I've been in some of the best hotels, I've eaten in some of the best restaurants, and you know what? It hasn't cost me a cent. And I sometimes think, you know, without kind of making it sound like you're boasting, but again, yeah, you know, you can do it. So yes, yeah, so I, I freelanced for programmes like Women's Hour for about um, 20 years. And while I was doing that at the same time, myself and three colleagues set up our own independent production company, Pennine Productions, in 1999, I think it was, or 2000. Uh, my friend and colleague Janet Graves and I are Pennine Productions, and we make programmes for Radio 4 and Radio 3. My last programme was on last month, and that was about my Anglo-Indian friends in India, my next programme's out on the 24th of June, um, and that one is about a doctor who has dementia. So if you're listening to the podcast within a month of it coming out, it should be on uh, BBC iPlayer. So it should be on iPlayer until July 24th, 2015. And we just do all sorts of different topics. And again, that's one of the things I love about journalism and radio, that it's a passport into other people's lives and that you know, one minute you can be talking to the this mad Anglo-Indian community in the centre of in India, 
which is just like falling down the rabbit hole into this Mad Hatter's Tea Party. And the next minute, you're interviewing a doctor who's had dementia for the last 10 years and who's telling you how she deals with that because she wants to help other people who have dementia. Sometimes my students will say, where do the ideas come from? They come from your own experience. So the kind of ideas that I'm working on at the moment are all things that have happened to my family or friends and I'm making programmes about them. And, yeah, trying to pass on, you know, hoping, hoping that it... that. Um, hoping to pass on my passion for journalism, whether it's print or radio, onto the next generation of people through my work as a lecturer at Sheffield Hallam University. It is all a journey, you know, and you do just find out more about yourself and more about the world. Again, I just love the fact that the world is such a complex place and the more you interview people, the more you find it's complex. I mean, I've also written um, a couple of books. One was about women's relationships with Catholic priests and the other one's about people's experiences of grief and bereavement. And you go and talk to people who've been bereaved in all sorts of different ways and each time you come away enriched because of what they've just passed on to you, what you've learnt from them. So I think it's a very enriching experience being a journalist. I also think it's a very enriching experience being uh, a tutor because I learn a lot from my students. You know, I hope they learn things from me, but my goodness, I learn a lot from them as well. And I tell them sometimes that when I worked on Women's Weekly magazine and I part of my job was interviewing well-known people and writing about them. And at that point, I wanted to be a celebrity interviewer. So I really wanted to be a celebrity interview and I actually made a fairly peculiar move which was to Sheffield to get more newspaper experience to then go back to London and work for another magazine. And I came to Sheffield and started talking to ordinary, so-called ordinary people and that, that was the end of any desire to go and interview celebrities because to me the extraordinary thing is when you go and talk to somebody as I say, so-called ordinary, somebody who isn't famous, and they tell you the most extraordinary story. I'll give you one example. <laughs> um, I went to interview a 78-year-old woman about... It was for a, a, a... In the year 2000, BBC Radio did this big oral history project called The Century Speaks, where we taught every local BBC radio station, did interviews with people in their area to make 16 half-hour programmes on a series of topics all of which was like this huge archive, which is now based at the British Library in the National Sound Archive. One of the topics was house and home. So I went to interview this 70-year-old woman, 78-year-old woman, about housework and how it had changed over her lifetime and what she used to do on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays in terms of housework and so on. At the end of it all, I was packing away my recording equipment and she said, well, she said, and you haven't even asked me about my lover. And I said, your lover? And she said, yes. So I put my recording equipment back on and she told me about uh, her 78-year-old, no, he was 80, her 80-year-old lover. Uh, they were both widowed. They both got grown-up children. Uh, she had, they'd been writing to each other, her and this man, for three years as pen pals. He'd said, can we meet up? She'd said, come round for poached egg on toast. And before she knew where they were, they were in bed. And they had a beautiful relationship for three years until he died in her arms on holiday. 
Uh, now, he hadn't died when I interviewed her. He died subsequently. But that, to me, is what enriches life, hearing stories that completely take you by surprise. And actually, I did interview her for a radio programme called Home Truths, which used to be out on Radio 4 on a Saturday morning, um, hosted by John Peel, the DJ. And that story made it onto John Peel's show. And I just thought it was fantastic, you know, that here were people. I mean, I, I remember telling some young people, and your listeners might well be thinking the same. I remember telling some young people this story, some young mums in Sheffield, and they were horrified, absolutely horrified. And they said things like, oh, it's disgusting thinking of them having sex at their age. And one of them said, it's like when you know your parents are still doing it. They've had their turn. It's our turn now. And I just remember thinking, I said to them, I said, do you think there's only so much to go around then? And there's a cut-off point, you know. And I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a really life-affirming story. And that, to me, is worth its weight in gold. And bugger celebrities. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But yeah, so, so forget your celebrities. Let's hear it from your ordinary man and woman. One of my students just recently went down to Woman's Hour for the day. She had a day's sort of... Uh, she was invited to go down for the day because she'd met Jane Garvey, who's one of the presenters of Woman's Hour. And she went down for the day and she texted me on the way and she said, I'm going down, I'm really scared, I don't know what's... You know. And I said, well, just think of some ideas. And I suggested a couple of ideas to her. I said, because, you know, Woman's Hour, the people who work on Woman's Hour will all be older than her because Danielle is um, 21 and I said, so what What they would love to hear is your perspective. You know, what's it like being 21 today? What are the stories around that you know about from people of your age? You know, how are your friends negotiating their way through life, through social media, through everything? You know, that's what she had to offer them, a different perspective, a fresh perspective. So I would say never think that your experiences are ordinary because they won't be to your listeners strike up conversations with people wherever you are listen 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 because it's extraordinary you know just on buses travel on public transport that's where you get good ideas too buses and trains like I say engage people in conversation and you'll be surprised by what they can tell you all of these things whether you're doing drama or or news or documentaries um, anything like that that's where the ideas come from um, make a note of different ideas think about treatments obviously learn all the technical aspects too um, but then again we all make mistakes when I was in India at Christmas and I'd just finished the last interview for a half hour features documentary for Radio 4 about the Anglo-Indian community and I pressed a button on my Marantz because I still use Marantz and I saw the dreaded word formatting, executing. And it was wiping everything. I pressed the wrong button, it was wiping everything. Um, this was New Year's Eve, and I rang my studio manager, who's in Manchester, practically in tears. My husband said I went ashen. I, in the end, I had to just literally take the batteries out of the machine to stop it. My studio manager calmed me down. He said, whatever you do, don't put anything more on that flashcard. Just leave it. And I brought it back here and he managed to retrieve the audio, most of the audio from it. But the point I'm making is, boy, we still can all make mistakes, you know. So you can be technically adept, but mistakes happen because you're de dealing with technology. 
But I would say if you're wanting to make features for radio, ideas, people, listening, technical requirements, empathy, you know, empathy, not pushing your own opinions forward, listening to other people's. The stories are there all around us. The stories are just there all around us. You know, when people, like I say, when they say, where do the ideas come from? Just ask. Just talk to people. They're forever surprising me with what they have to tell, for good and for bad, you know? And I just find it endlessly fascinating, as I think I may have said, the way in which we all negotiate our way around the complexity of life. You know, why do you need to watch television? Just interview people. And if you're interested in finding out more about Claire Jenkins, head to the website penineproductions.co.uk. A huge thank you to both Sean Ramasvaram and Claire Jenkins today for being interviewees on my podcast. It's been delightful to make this episode. It's my first cross-continental episode. There'll be more. I interviewed a few people while I was in the States, so be expecting some other awesome voices soon. And of course, also thank you to Samuel Thomas here in the UK, up-and-coming musician from Newcastle, and you can check him out, Samuel Thomas UK, on Twitter. Thank you for joining us here on 99% Perspiration. Um, Again, I encourage you to check out the Facebook page or the Twitter at 99podcast. And until next time... Stay productive. Stay awesome. Stay productive. Stay awesome. Keep the faith. That's making it too. <laughs>